Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm going to bring you a Bible study. I'm getting this thing figured out for one second here. Just bear with me. Okay. This one's going to be called King Size Bed. I wrote this in 2014, and I might have taught it briefly, but I never went into any kind of teaching on it. King Size Bed. Okay, the opening scripture is going to be Ephesians 5. 14 if you have your Bibles with you. If not, I'm going to provide the scriptures for you to read along tonight. Ephesians 5.14 it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. The scripture is telling us in Ephesians that he's asking us to awake because we are asleep. We have fallen asleep and arise from the dead. It's almost like you're dead when you fall asleep. Ezekiel 37, 1-10 says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and lo, they were full, they were very dry, excuse me. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. So this is a very familiar passage of scripture we are reading in Ezekiel 37, chapter 37. And we're reading out of the King James Version tonight. It's a very good version I like to stick with. You're able to follow in any version but if you're following along in your own Bibles at home it's the King James Version or if you're looking for it on the internet so these bones were dead bones laying in the valley and the Lord took the man of God to him and looked at him and told him to prophesy and speak to him and as they came to life they weren't fully alive yet but they were animated they came back to forth the bones were coming together the skin the sinew the tendons all the little pieces were coming together but something was missing the life was missing, the breath of God. So it didn't matter what everything looked like. It was close as it could come to a living soul, but it wasn't alive until the breath of God came. And a modern day person might call it a zombie or something, just looked like it was alive, just stood there. Could you imagine seeing a whole army of bones coming alive, 
standing before you, flesh coming upon them, everything coming upon them right before your eyes. And they weren't alive. They were standing there just looking at you, not, not alive yet. And uh, then God said, hey, there's something missing, man of God. You need to, you need to prophesy to them and let, let the wind show up and breathe the breath of life. And so it says in verse number 10, so I prophesied as he, as he commanded me, and we know he is God, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. So this army was a very large army, powerful. It was a work of God in the beginning, but there was something missing, and I keep saying this, but the life was missing, the animated state of being alive. Now I want to take us to another passage of Scripture in, uh, in the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, we're going to read, if you're following along. Deuteronomy 3, 10 through 13 says, All the cities of the plain, and all Gilead, and all Bashan, unto Sakah and Edria, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was the bedstead of iron, is it not in Raboth of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of, after the cubit of a man. And this land which we possessed at that time from Oror, which is by the river Arnon, and half Mount Gilead, and the cities thereof, gave I unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites. And the rest of Gilead and Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob with Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. Interesting little story we read here. I know that we don't go over some of these Old Testament scriptures very much, but I love to stay in the Old Testament a lot and study them, and I find a lot of these treasures. And if you are a Bible reader or somebody that just loves to read the Bible, you should spend some time in the Old Testament, and most of you might already be doing that. But as you read the Old Testament, sometimes it gets confusing or when you read things like this or many names or places you can't pronounce very much, so you scan over them and you skip them. Or when you read the lineages, when you go through lineage of the Bible, you get bored and then you give up. But God hides treasures in these little things. And hopefully tonight I can weave them treasures together and pull something out of the, the ground and give you guys something that you never heard before. King Size Bed is the title of this message that I put together. So let's read a story about Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 4 through 7. Remember that last passage I just read you. You might want to mark it in your Bible or write it down because you might want to go back to it sometime. 1 Samuel 17, 4 through 7, starting at verse number 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. And we all know who Goliath is. So whenever you speak of a giant in the Bible like I just read, Probably the name Goliath shows up. Named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and the target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. So this was a big man. We know that giants are big. And his armor was massive. It gives us the weight and the, the what it looked like, so we have a good idea of it. And Goliath had a brother named Ishbidinab. And we want to read about him real quick. Moreover, the Philistines 
had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants went with him and fought against the Philistines and David waxed faint. Okay, so we are moving down to verse, this is number 15. So we're in 1 Samuel 17. Now we're in verse number 15. Moving along to 16. And Ishnabab, which was one of the sons of the giants and weight of whose spears weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistines and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt not go out with us to battle, that thou quenchest not the light of Israel. And it came to pass that after this, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hebeshite, slew Saph, which was one of the sons of the giants. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elanon, the son of Jeroboam and Bethlehemite, slew the brother of the Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath. There was a man in, of great stature and had on, every, on his hand six fingers and on every toe six toes, four and twenty in the number. And he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So we're battling giants again. So we're talking about giants here in a few of these different stories. Okay. So let's let's talk about the lazy church or the church that found comfort or ease. Revelations 3, 1 through 3. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, and thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So God's given a warning to these church people, these people that you would think that the church has it all together, but he's telling you here that something's missing here. And you better be watchful and you better strengthen the things which remain so what it's telling us here is, is no matter how much we think we have it all together there's always something god can look at us and say you need to fix you need to work on it's easy for us to pick on other people to pick out what they need and uh to pick out their faults because we compare people to each other we compare them to ourselves sometimes but god looks down at the church and says hold on a second here guys if you guys want to find out and be a little bit more perfect you want to find out some things that are going to help you out i got some problems with you and if you want to fix something let's fix something with you let's not pick out any faults with anybody else let's talk to the church folks tonight and that's what i believe the bible is telling us in revelation 3 1 through 3. sardis meaning prince of joy and i like to ask you tonight as we go along in our bible study have you lost your joy has joy been fleeting to you have you smiled in front of people and have you preached to people and have you told them to do certain things but when you go home and nobody's watching has your joy disappeared has joy been been gone in your life in your family's life that's not hard to get back start doing the things that god requires and work on yourself instead of picking out other faults on people and you'll find joy because i find in my life and when i watch others lives when you are always picking out the problems in other people it brings you down it makes you negative 
and that wears you out and you don't want to be wore out tonight because we have a battle we have a we have to stay in the fight until we make it to the day Jesus comes back so we don't want to waste our energy on frivolous things that doesn't matter so Revelations 3 14 through 22 says and unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write these things saith the, the amen the faithful and the true witness the beginning of the creation of God I know that works and thou art neither cold nor hot I wouldn't that thou wert cold or hot so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked so God's telling another church here see I'm under no illusion tonight that these churches are not people that we're talking about tonight but these attributes that we can pull out of these churches can fit along with anything that we're talking about we can use any of these attributes we can glean from these for example joy if you've lost your joy what I've said already is a good way to start getting your joy back and for the church of Laodicea for somebody that's not cold or hot they're standing in the middle of the road they're lukewarm we don't have to be talking about the church of Laodicea tonight because we know that anybody that's in this type of life or standing in this type of uh, mentality, there's a there's room for you to change. There's room for you to grow, become something different. And if you don't, the Bible is telling us that you're poor, miserable, you're blind, and you're naked, and you're wretched. So don't stand in the middle of the road tonight. Verse number 18, And I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint the eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open that door I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in the throne even as I have overcome and am set down with the, my Father in the throne, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We know the meaning of Laodiceans means the people's opinions and people that are judged. That's the meaning of it. People's opinions. That's what Laodicea means. Have you been going through life worried about other people's opinions? Have you ran your life because of other people's opinions? Because you're worried about what they're going to think about you? You need to change that tonight. You need to stop thinking like that and stop worrying about how other people think about you. And you need to worry about the only one that matters, that's Jesus. Now, if you're doing what Jesus asked and you follow the principles in the Bible to a T and you do the best that you can, if people are judging you or you're trying to meet their standards, then you fail in the standard of God. Because if you're doing what you're supposed to with God, then people need to line up with what God wants not with what they want and you don't need to line up with what they want you need to line up with what God wants okay so you got to get rid of people's opinions it's fine to have people's opinions every now and then but you don't live your life that way okay so there's hope for those who fall asleep tonight Acts 20 9 through 12 and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep this is Acts 29 through 12 and as Paul was long preaching, have you gotten sick of preachers before? Have you sat underneath them and you've said to yourself, man, I wish this preacher would stop. I wish he would stop talking. Man, it's boring, boring, boring. And then you close your eyes 
and you might have looked around the church and you've seen people sitting in the pews they were all excited one moment up there praising the Lord and clapping their hands and before too long you look over your shoulder and you look and they're sleeping their eyes are closed you hear them snoring in the middle of the church or during the work of God while you're doing the work of God there's only one or two people actually doing the work of God and you look around and half the church is sleeping there's nobody there or you you try to come up with a new plan you try to get people motivated you want them on board and you look around and half the people are sleeping they're nowhere to be found and this is the greatest one is when you're in a prayer meeting you're in a prayer group and you look around and you see people that have their head bowed and their hands are folded and they look like they're really praying hard and as you get closer you realize they're sleeping man they fell asleep that's no way to be don't pray and fall asleep man wake up okay so and Paul verse number 10 and Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said trouble not yourself for his life is in him when he therefore was come up again and he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while even till break of day so he departed and they brought the young man alive and were were not a little comforted so we're talking in verse number nine that Euclid fell asleep during this man's preaching as apostle Paul was preaching this man fell asleep fell out the window and died Paul had to run down there and bring him back to life. Then he sat and broke bread with him after he came back to life, which was pretty interesting to me because after this man fell asleep, you'd think in the modern day church, if somebody fell asleep and caused a commotion like that in the church, they'd probably get rebuked. The preacher would probably get so mad, he'd probably kick the person out. Paul didn't do that. Paul ran down and comforted him, brought him back to life, and then ate bread with him and spent the day with him. Maybe that's a good example. We need to figure that out. When we see somebody that we don't agree with, things they do in the church maybe instead of picking out their fault or kicking them out we try to comfort them and we show them that we're really christians we don't speak it we actually live it we're christians folks okay so let's go back up to something real quick i want to take it up to deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 10 through 13 because i read a lot about giants and it seems like where were you going dave why are you talking about all these people and then you went off on all these tangents so let's go back to deuteronomy 3 10 through 13 Starting at verse number 10, And all the cities of the plain, and all Gilead, and Bashan, unto Salkah, and Edrah, the cities of king of Og, and Bashan. For only the Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnants of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was the bedstead of iron. It is not in Reba, the children of Ammon, nine cubits. It's real good that the Bible is showing us something here. In verse number 11, he didn't talk about this giant having armor. He didn't talk about him having a spear, a weaver's spear, the... The, the point of his spear being so powerful and amazing. He didn't talk about his chain mail and his powerful shoulders. He didn't talk about his brothers that were warriors. He didn't even talk about him hunting down people. This giant was known for his bed. He had a bed of iron. It was amazing to be known to have a bed of iron. If you're a giant and the Bible records you and the king of Og as the man that has the bed of iron, a big old bed, and we're talking about falling asleep, folks out there tonight. Do you want God to know you for your bed? For what, what you've built to have as a bed in your life? Because we know a bed is only for relaxation and falling asleep in. It's not where you go to war at, unless you're kneeling beside it and you're saying your prayers at night. But that bed is only there to fall asleep. And this giant was known for his bed. What a way to be recorded in the histories of the pages of the Bible there. 
being a king known for your bed in the Bible. Not like Goliath or any of the other ones that were warriors. And so, let's conclude with this thought tonight. Are you going to be known for being a lazy church? A lazy people? A people that has a God like Jesus Christ that would never fall asleep on any one of us. He never would be known for his bed. It said that Jesus didn't even have a bed. He had nowhere to lay his head except for the rocks. He didn't have a place like we do nowadays. He was more worried about ministry and actually living with the people, the people that everyone didn't want to be around, the people that were cast out in society, that were the dregs of society, the lower social class people. This is who Jesus hung out with. and He, he fellowshiped with sinners, the Bible, and we know this very well. Why else would a man that started with 12 disciples 2,000 years later have one of the greatest followings of anybody that's ever lived on the face of the earth? And we're talking about Jesus here. It's not because he had a bed. It's because he was loving, caring, and he practiced what he preached. So let's do that tonight. Let's practice what we preach, church. Let's practice what we preach, leaders and fellow saints of the living God out there tonight. And so it's time to wake up and strengthen that which remains, just like the Bible warned us in these churches and revelations. I believe the spirit the church is battling tonight is like the giant that Moses and his mighty men fought. A giant known for his bed, a slumbering spirit. But we can awake tonight just like the prophet that was brought to the valley of bones. And the Lord asked if these bones can live. And the man of God waited and did all the stuff that God required him. But the last stage of the whole living process was the breath of God. And that's what we need tonight. If we're going to live, if we're going to do anything for God, we need to have His Spirit inside of us, moving, breathing, and alive. Not something that's superficial or just there for a moment. And let's not be known for a bed. Let's be known for the works that we do for God. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for this day You've given us, for Your Word. And Lord, let us never be known for the bed that we have, or our slumbering spirits, or our laziness. But let us be known for our outgoing attitude the way that we deal with men and women in this world and that we don't judge them but we live where they are we meet their needs and we never forget where we came from we give you praise tonight in jesus name amen god bless you